reading from the prophet Jeremiah. <clears throat> o Lord, you know. Remember me and visit me, and bring down retribution for me on my persecutors. In your forbearance, do not take me away. Know that on your account I suffer insult. Your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. I did not sit in the company of merrymakers, nor did I rejoice. Under the weight of your hand I sat alone, for you had filled me with indignation. Why is my pain unceasing, my wound incurable, refusing to be healed? Truly you are to me like a deceitful brook, like waters that fail. Therefore, thus says the Lord, If you turn back, I will take you back, and you shall stand before me. If you utter what is precious and not what is worthless, you shall serve as my mouth. It is they who will turn to you, not you who will turn to them. And I will make you to this people a fortified wall of bronze. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail over you. For I am with you to save you and deliver you, says the Lord. I will deliver you out of the hand of the wicked and redeem you from the grasp of the ruthless. The word of the Lord. We'll read our psalm together responsively, Psalm 26. Join with me by saying it half verse. <clears throat> Be my judge, O Lord, for I have walked innocently. Test me, O Lord, and prove me. For your loving kindness is ever before my eyes. I have not dwelt with evildoers. I have hated the company of the wicked. I will wash my hands in innocence, O Lord, that I may lift up the voice of thanksgiving. Lord, I have loved the habitation of your house. Oh, take me not away, or take not away my soul with the sinners, whose hands are full of wickedness. But as for me, I will walk innocently. My foot stands firm. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. A reading from Romans chapter 12. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, 
so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Will you please pray with me? Holy Father, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and Redeemer. Amen. Great sacrifice is sometimes met with great opposition. Opposition that arises within us as we hear the call to sacrifice ourselves, or perhaps opposition within us when we see the sacrifice of another. Many of you know that I currently work as a pharmacy technician over at Walmart in Nicholasville. And a few weeks ago, I was at the counter with a kind lady, and she began to talk about how stressed she was about her grandson. And I learned that this was her only grandson. He had just graduated from high school this past spring, and he enlisted in the Army. And as she was talking, I could see the tears welling up in her eyes. And I told her, well, I know this is really hard, but I really appreciate him serving and protecting our country. And immediately she responded, I don't. All I knew to do for a brief moment was to give her a look of care and understanding And no doubt this woman feared for her grandson, and to be honest, I can understand why. But she wasn't ready to see the good that was in his noble choice. And we see a much more weighty instance like this in the gospel reading this morning. So if you can, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 16, verses 21 through 27. Today we pick up right after when Peter proclaims that Jesus was the Messiah. And as all the disciples together grasped this important truth, they and Jesus continue their way to Jerusalem, where Jesus would flip things upside down like he often does. And Jesus begins to unfold God's will to his disciples. Specifically, Jesus tells them about his redemptive mission. Our Lord explains that he must go to Jerusalem, that he must undergo great suffering and be killed, and that he must be raised. Notice how the text says that he must go. Indeed, Jesus was willing to do this, but were the disciples willing to follow him? 
Well, just as soon as Jesus began to explain these things, we see Peter begin to move Jesus to the side and rebuke him. The language we see here reveals Peter's great opposition and misunderstanding to God's will. In verse 22, Peter says, God forbid it, Lord. This must never happen to you. Now let's be clear, Peter is saying these things out of his deep love and concern for Jesus. But just like the grandmother I encountered at my workplace, he wasn't ready to accept the good that might come of Jesus' sacrifice. And he's the very first disciple who recognized Jesus as the Messiah, and yet he refuses to accept the redemptive plan of the Messiah. He's the one who Jesus called the rock, and yet he quickly becomes the stumbling stone. And so we see the seriousness of Peter's error in the response of Jesus. In verse 23, Jesus says, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Perhaps Jesus had a flashback to his time of testing in the wilderness when Satan, the devil, tempted Jesus by offering him kingship without any sort of suffering. As we see, Peter also wanted Jesus to be the king, but rebuked him for saying that he had to suffer. But why does Jesus call Peter Satan? That seems kind of extreme, right? Was Satan actually present there in Peter? I don't think so. If we remember the story of Jesus in the wilderness, he tells the actual devil, away with you, Satan. Jesus wanted nothing to do with Satan. Indeed, he wanted him gone. But with Peter, he says, get behind me, Satan. Now, it's likely to Peter's ears, he understood the word Satan to mean an obstruction or an enemy as this was the common ancient Hebrew understanding of the word. And I think he realized that he was speaking like an enemy to Jesus, and I suspect that he was very remorseful about rebuking him. But again, notice that Jesus tells him, get behind me. He doesn't say, away with you. Jesus is still calling Peter to follow him, and he's still calling Peter to grasp God's will. Now, while this passage deals with understanding God's plan of redemption through the wonderful sacrifice of Jesus, I think it also offers us wisdom for a question we all might have today. How many of us are trying to figure out God's will? How many of us wonder what God might want to do next in our lives? Well, this text reveals that one of the first steps is to relinquish control. Like Peter, we have to let go of how we expect God to act. We can't live our lives on our own terms and expect God to bless them. We can't control the plans of God. They're like a river that we're called to step into and move along with its current, which flows quite nicely with what Jesus says in the next part of the story. If any wish to come after me, Let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Part of denying ourselves is indeed this mindset of relinquishing control of how we think God should interact and inhabit this world. 
But another part is denying our old ways of life. Denying our old desires that once pleased our flesh, but do not please God. Denying those old ways and desires that clearly lead our minds and hearts away from the will of God. Remember how Jesus told Peter, For you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. This kind of language is harmonious with Apostle Paul in the Romans reading today. I like how the Common English Bible renders his words. He says, Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you can figure out what God's will is, what is good and pleasing and mature. So allow me to get a little more particular and ask some practical questions. Are we being attentive to the information and media that we consume? And what voices of our culture are we listening to? Is this information, information transforming our minds into Christ-likeness, or is it stagnating our minds? Is it helping us discern God's will, or is it damaging our capacity to even recognize it? If we were to use a food analogy, why is it that we often settle for feeding our minds a Big Mac when instead we could settle or we could eat a delicious, juicy steak? And by steak, I mean doing practices like contemplating the goodness of God towards us in his creation or meditating on divine scripture and allowing it to feed our minds, echoing the psalmist who says, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Or listening to music with lyrics that direct our minds to the beauty of God. These are just some examples. And I'm not saying we should divorce ourselves from everything that isn't flavored with Christianity, so to speak. And I know this is often a matter of each individual's conscience, but... I do think the words of Jesus and Paul should give us a reason to pause and consider. Because doing so just might help us learn to recognize and participate in God's will. So may we consider the cross of Christ as we take up our own, forsaking the God we often make in our own image and embracing our true God's vision for his heavenly kingdom forsaking the influences that hinder our minds towards Christ and clinging to what helps us discern what is good and true. It's by doing these things that we can be ready to truly ask and receive what God has in store for us right now and right here. Amen.